listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back what? to the Road to Omaha Podcast presented by Apollo Media. You can follow us at Twitter at RodomahaPod, and you can follow Apollo at Apollo H-O-U, and Des, 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 Des. Here we are. The road to Omaha has ended. Not the podcast, but the journey, the regular season, the postseason. You have all the conference tournaments. You have the regionals, the super regionals. The super regionals are officially over. We have eight teams, and it turns out we're going to start the season with our teams playing against each other. And we're going to start Omaha with our teams playing against each other. So Des, run us through the Austin Regional. And before you do that, I'm just going to give the listeners a heads up. We're going to run through our teams first. We're going to knock that out of the way. We know we're homers for our teams, but we're also unbiased national baseball journalists. And we want to just give you the heads up. If you want to hit the little 30-second skip ahead thing until me and Des are done ranting, do so now. Because if not, you might be here a while. I don't know. We might not. We might We might be here a while. But Des, run us through that Austin Regional. Tell us how you're feeling. You're going to Omaha. Yeah, Texas is back, folks. Um, I was there. It's poetic that we are starting. We started the road to Omaha, and now we are in Omaha, and we're, our two teams are playing against each other. Like, how, how poetic, how great the Apollo sauce that – me and you create this pod and our two teams are playing each other in Omaha. Um, that's special. That's something that we're both going to enjoy. Um, I'm sure everyone that's listening and everyone in the Apollo versus well is going to enjoy our teams battling out because um, here we are, Texas is in Omaha and that's after the very first weekend of the year when Arkansas Ole Miss and Mississippi state outscored Texas 20 to four. The offense struck out 46 times. We were the butt of all jokes in SEC country. And then they just decided to win every single game pretty much from then on out. And um, being in Austin, being at a super regional game with 7,500 people, drunk fans, screaming fans, um, the whole nine yards. And it was, it was perfect. It literally was perfect. Sunday night uh, for that game two game. I've never been more happier than I have been in that stadium. Um, and I've worked out there and done plenty of plenty of things for Augie Garrido and, and baseball things that have been really cool, but nothing was better than that moment. And um, the Horns are in Omaha and they took care of business. They've gotten truly, truly, really lucky with their draws. I will say that first. Um, their regional was soft. And then you had a team in South Florida that advanced out of the Florida regional. And obviously uh, they got hot the right time. They, they beat Miami. They beat Florida. They, they did what they had to do to get to a supers, but Texas is kind of lean on them. And it was, they were just too much for them at the end of the day. And uh, it was fun. It, it was, it was a hell of a lot of fun. And um, I, anyone listening, if you can, if you're capable of seeing your team in a regional or a super regional go, don't think about it. Just go. It'll be the best fun you have in your entire life. Yeah. And like you said, they had, they didn't have a cakewalk. They had to go through some tough teams and we get that every team is tough this season because of COVID and everybody's got super seniors and super duper seniors and transfers out the wazoo. So all of these teams are good. That's no discredit to South Florida or any of the teams that South Florida ended up going through or Texas went through. It's just the luck of the draw. They got, they had a, number two overall national seed for a reason they were a very good team they didn't lose a, they what lost two weekends three weekends maybe it wasn't yeah. a lot so they earned that two spot and they earned that easier side of the regional and the super and yeah like you said they were a little bit too much for south florida the the bats were swinging the dish was rocking the momentum was there and it, it wasn't going to go in south florida's favor so yeah i think yeah. i think this is the first team um that Pierce has really constructed to win in Omaha. Yes, he's been there before, but I mean, shoot, Clemens carried them with his bat hitting a billion home runs down the stretch. But he has three guys in 
Ty Madden and Tristan Stevenson and Pete Hansen that are bona fide studs and Friday night starters for any program in the country. And that's their Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys. And they have four guys in the pin that might that coach Pierce relies on and trusts in any situation. And then this lineup has just been relentless really because Texas won't score runs unless they get in their own way, unless they start expanding zones, unless they start trying to press the issue and they haven't been, and they did early on in the season. And I don't know what Troy Tula whiskey told the guys Tula has been a great pickup for coach Pierce. Um, but the adjustments at the plate, the approaches, the way they carry themselves is like a big league team. It reminds me a lot of the Astros. Their lineup doesn't have a lot of holes in it. Um, I think we saw that Saturday night when, you know, Eric Kennedy, the, the nine hole walks off um, South Florida after Texas, bullpen actually gave up the lead and so you see this lineup and it's perfectly constructed for this um this tournament in omaha and yeah they have your mississippi state bulldogs if they could somehow get over this tough first hurdle there they can get in cruise cruise control and uh because it's all about winning game one in omaha um it's almost whatever it takes to win game one uh just because you're once you get in that driver's seat it's it's a little bit better but um, I'm just proud of this team, proud of the boys for the way they started off the beginning of the season being literally the butt of every single joke in SEC land. Um, they've proven that they can win. They can win the big games and not break a sweat really to do it. Yeah, and it's quite the accomplishment for Texas. I think it's nine straight decades now that they have been in Omaha in the College World Series. They've 37, been to what, 37? Uh, appearances. Yeah, yeah. 37 appearances. It's stupid now. that half of the last – 80 years they've been in Omaha that's insane that's just it's unheard of really because my team we've been 12 and we're a blue blood if yeah for lack of better words we're Kentucky a Duke a North Carolina we're in the final four every year we're in Omaha 12 times that's a lot of times a lot of teams they can't even get one like Miami hasn't been there in ages and they've won national championships they're the last number one seed to win the the whole thing so it's quite the accomplishment. Texas, if you said that Texas was going to make Omaha and they were going to be the number two overall seed the first weekend of the uh, college baseball when they got smacked by all three SEC teams that they had to play, you'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the first weekend, so maybe, but like after that weekend, you're thinking, man, what happened? What are oh, we doing for, here? For and sure. Then, I, I, I think you nailed it. Like I thought this was, all right, here we go again type situation. And um, it's drastically, drastically changed very quickly. Um, but I mean, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see them. They're obviously playing your Mississippi state Bulldogs. And, um, obviously you guys are no slouch and it's, uh, the first time they're really gonna be challenged in about almost a month since, um, probably since the TCU series. And so I don't know, it's going to be, um, be quite interesting to see uh see how they react to that yeah and moving on to my team the mississippi state bulldogs um they played notre dame they played a team that hit all of the home runs they scored all of the runs over the last three months or so they've been one of the hotter teams and they also had a chip on your shoulder and that's someone you never want to play in a regional and that's someone you never want to play in the super regional you never want to play the team with a chip on their shoulder who actually is good south florida good not great. They were hot. They had a chip on their shoulder, but they're not Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Nico, the Greek freak, the Greek, whatever he is, he's insane. If you didn't watch last night on uh, Monday night, Landon Sims, second best reliever in all of college baseball. A psychopath. Psychopath and just mows people down. It's incredible. I love that he's on my team. I would hate him if he was on any other team. Throws a 96-mile-an-hour rising fastball, and Nico, Greek freak, he lays into it, lays into it, and it it left. It went over the scoreboard into the grass field behind the ballpark, basically, right up against the fence. And is did the ball, like, I, I, it disappeared? It just – you couldn't even I, see it. I think I got it. I mean, obviously, you've been, you've been to a lot of games at the Dude. You, you've seen a lot of baseball there. Is that the furthest ball hit? I mean, he's got to be in at least top three for this ball's hit in the new bad age, right? It, 
it's not even close. I saw Justin Foskey a couple of years ago hit one at the lofts. The, the first row of the lofts, if you've seen it in left field, which is really far. That's 400 yeah. plus feet. It was a missile. Seen that. And then I saw a couple of teams. They've hit one onto the concourse in right field, which is raised 20, 25 feet. And those were stupid, but I've never seen anything like that. It, it was obliterated. It just disappeared. And somehow, some way, the Mississippi State Bulldogs also going to Omaha, playing the Texas Longhorns. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll preview that later on during the week. Um, but this team, it's resilient. They have a good coach. They, this is still, this is probably the last uh, class that Chris Lamonis did not recruit. So this is kind of the last iteration of uh, Canizero and all these other teams from 2017, 2018, that recruiting class, because Lamonis didn't come in until 19. So he's constructing a, a ball club in his image and what he wants to produce on the field, what um, team he wants out there pitching and hitting and all, all of the things. And this team's come together. Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan, they're seniors. It's, it's wild. And you know what? They don't know anything other than Omaha. They showed up as freshmen in 2018, Omaha. Sophomores, Omaha. Juniors, COVID. Seniors, Omaha. They, three straight Omaha appearances, longest streak, active streak in uh, NCAA currently. TCU has the most recent streak of four from 2014 to 2017, I believe. And consistency, that's, that's what Mississippi State fans has come to, uh, to recognize and what to show and what to expect from the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and they were consistent this year. They won 40 games in the regular season. They they don't hit a ton of home runs, even though they had 70-something over the year. They got five guys with 10-plus home runs, so they don't hit for power. They just can. They, they hit for singles. They hit for doubles. They want to get in the pitcher's head. They count on those errors. They count on the dude and those 12,000, 13,000, 14,000 crazy-ass fans in Mississippi just rocking that place. Also, another record broken. Not a big deal. Dude, 40,000 fans this weekend over three games. Biggest super That's regional. Outrageous. Biggest super regional attendance by far, which was already our own record. Broke it again. Fans are crazy. There was smoke over the outfield walls. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm excited. I expected it at the beginning of the season. I expected it last year. I expected it the year before. Omaha is becoming normal. Which is, which is crazy. And you know what is the craziest thing about this, Des? What's that? I'll be there Sunday night. Texas, Mississippi State, in Omaha, behind home plate, 25 rows up. I'll be there. It's, um, I'm jealous. I really am. Uh, you're going to be at the Mecca. You're going to be where everyone wants to be in this matchup. I mean, it is the matchup for... Um, for this round, I think it's I think it's the one everyone's looking forward to. It's a Sunday night game. Um, I think the ratings are going to be off the charts, um, <laughs> and you're going to be there. You're absolutely going to be there. I I do have to touch on this, and this is a compliment to to you, your your Mississippi State Bulldogs, your the fans and Startville. <clears throat> Excuse me, you guys showed up and showed out like we just talked about, but. We had talked about it on the on the previous podcast when we previewed the Super Regionals, and it was, can Notre Dame survive the surge of what playing at the dude is like? And they couldn't. And their their coach, their head coach, mentioned how um, how the phrase of of how clutch it has to be to host a Super Regional and get that top seed because. The crowd made a difference. We saw it the first night. We ne we knew Notre Dame. We knew we we've joked about it. Home run Jesus, right? We've 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 mentioned it. We've talked about it. But Notre Dame as a ball team defensively all year was pretty damn stout. And then they got there. The crowd was rocking. The barbecue was going. The the cowbells were going, and they blinked and they looked human. And it it came back to haunt them. And, and I I honestly no disrespect to Mississippi State. I mean they. They stole game one because it looked like Notre Dame was just going to do what they did, and that's power through um, a game. But the atmosphere of a Super Regionals, being in the SEC country, being at a Blue Blood, 
that got to him and Notre Dame blinked. And once that happened, I was like, Oh boy, it's on. It's on now. So kudos to you guys and to, and to your fans. And, and because that was just stupid, absolutely stupid. The showing of fans in Starfield. Yeah. So I, I believe on the broadcast on Friday, they said something about Notre Dame being the highest fielding percentage in all of college baseball, which is nuts. I don't, quote completely on this it's a fake quote 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 um i believe they had six errors all year six fielding errors all season long up until the super regional they had four in game one it's the sole reason that mississippi state won game one they won nine to eight they had a clutch hitting they had clutch hustling basically that's all it was it was just hustling and then the, the crowd hustling in the crowd it's the dude effect as chris lamona says and it's real. Oh, 100% is real. Yeah, Notre Dame, the head coach was like, I, I've never experienced really anything like that. And it came back to bite us in the butt. So Mississippi State, Texas, game one, Sunday night, prime time in Omaha. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm just excited because I was super prepared after game two. If we're going to be completely honest, we're going to put this all in parentheses right now, starting in parentheses right now. If Mississippi State lost game three against Notre Dame, I was completely going on the Texas bandwagon. I was going to wear my <laughs> Texas hat for this podcast. I was, I was going all in. I was wearing burnt, burnt orange the whole time. I was going to go oh, no. all the way in for a slight moment in parentheses. But now I'm back. I'm good. Before, the, before Sunday, I was, eh, maybe. And then Sunday started, and I was like, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. The dude's going to show up. There was 11,000 people on a Monday night in Starkville in the dude. Nuts. That's that's nuts. That's absolutely wild. I, I talked to um, I talked to the Texas uh, baseball ops guy. Uh, my sister used to work for that office back when she went to school there, and um, I was like, dude, we got to get some stands out in the outfield because what you saw at Arkansas and what you saw at Mississippi State this past weekend, if you added another 3,500 people to the dish that are just as drunk as the people inside, it would literally cause hell for teams. hundred percent. And he just smiled and I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So um, hopefully Texas figures that out. And um, because that atmosphere is second to none, absolutely second to none. And from sources from me, sources, not from me, but from sources, Mississippi State's already talking about adding more seats. Oh, wow. Already. And we had wow. 14,395 people on that Saturday night game or Saturday afternoon in the heat, in the butt crack of the South where you, you step outside and you're drenched in sweat. Yeah, those people sat out there for four plus hours, plus the six hours waiting to get into the game. It's nuts. I, I don't understand it. And I'm so happy that they're my team and that's my stadium. And my team gets to have those crazy fans yelling at you, smoking barbecue, the smells, the sounds, the sights. It's all incredible. And we're going to get right into the next Super Regionals right after this. And welcome back. We're here with the Road to Omaha podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you haven't already, hit that follow or the subscribe button. Download our episodes. Give us a review. Leave a five-star review. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us if you're angry that Texas is back or Mississippi State has the best fans in all of college baseball. I don't care what you say to me. I just want a review. I just want you to tell me if we need to do better. Now, Des, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bomb Walker Stadium, one of the probably three or four best stadiums in all of the country. They have the crazy hog pen in the outfield. Game one. Arkansas, buddy, they hit home runs. They hit doubles. They scored 20, was it 21 runs? I think it was 21 runs against NC State on a Friday night. It can't get any better than that. But Des, did they score too many runs? In hindsight, yeah, absolutely. It was, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked. I'm, I, I'm, I say I'm shocked because it was NC State. I'm not shocked that this happened or this was in the realm of possibilities, if that makes sense. 
it was it was confusing to say the least because we talked about it we talked about it all year that arkansas was a team that relied on the offense they relied on putting up a plethora of runs but if they got cold what happens we we asked ourselves we didn't know because they just constantly put up runs and constantly won series and constantly won games but baseball is baseball baby and sometimes it it's a fickle bitch, and the offense goes cold all of a sudden. We saw it with our Astros in, in 19, right? I mean, it, 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 it's this game humbles you quickly. And we just sat here, and we talked about it to all three listeners, and we're like, what happens? What happens if Arkansas's offense goes cold? And um, maybe they scored a lot of runs Friday night because you can keep running down what happened on the weekend. Yeah, and we both picked Arkansas in two, I believe. We are just like, look, they have the offensive power. Their pitching doesn't matter. You put cops in in the seventh, it's over. And theoretically, that was right. You put cops in, and he stopped them every time. And credit to NC State. I mean, the Wolfpack. This is – it's incredible. They won 33 games this year. It's not – it shouldn't be too surprising for us. That's a lot of games to win. Granted, it, they didn't play as many as everyone else, but – it was just confusing. It, we saw Arkansas. I don't know if this is completely right, but I believe the last time Arkansas lost two games in a row was against Louisiana Tech on a Sunday, and then when they opened up SEC play against Alabama on a fr- Friday. I, th- I think that's the last time they lost two games. They started SEC play and did not lose two games in a row. It was banana lands. They were rolling through people. Their pitching was good, not great but their offense was superb. Like you, you couldn't stop them. And here we are And Arkansas, the number one overall seed didn't make it to Omaha another year where the number one seed will not win the college world series. And it's just surprising because Arkansas kind of was the team that no one was talking about that should be talked about all the time. We were victims of this. We talked about Kumar and rocker, Kumar rocker and Jack lighter. Like that's, that's who we talked about because it was so electric. It's something we've never seen before. And Arkansas arguably was another thing that we've never seen before. They had a lot of runs. They hit a lot of doubles. They had a ton of home runs. The hog bin was crazy. The bomb was rocking. The beer hats. The beer hats. And NC State, they killed the cops. They killed the cops. Yeah. It was um, <clears throat> when, when I saw that cops was starting game three. And, I mean, Arkansas put out their little tweet and Twitterverse went wild. The one thing that ran through my head was this. And I I was like, this is a pressing move to me because if I'm the NC State head coach, I'm telling the boys in the locker room, hey, this is their only guy. If we get to him, if we get to him, there's no one behind him. And we will take the wind out of this place because if you get to him early and if you just do this, then you're going to have all momentum on your side. So he almost plays in NC state hands rather going with your game three starter and then short leash, whatever it is, it was going to be a short leash regardless, but I think it would have been more demoralizing offensively. If I'm a hitter seeing cops run out of the pin in a tight ball game, and hearing the crowd and hearing everyone go wild in the hawk and hearing all that when he's making that run in, because if I'm in the, if I'm in the dugout and I'm in the, or in the batter's box on deck circle, I'm like, Oh shit, here we go. It's fucking Kevin cops. But if he's starting, I mean, get a hit here, get a little dink hit there, score a run here. Now, you know, we're controlling momentum a little bit. So obviously the kid pitched his tail off. He didn't have it. He didn't have his electric stuff. But somehow he still managed to go, I think, seven strong. It was eight um, innings. Eight. 117 pitches. He, he only gave up the two runs. And it, he pitched his tail off, and he didn't have it. He probably only had a C-plus-B-minus game, but it was still enough to keep Arkansas in, and the offense let him down. And the kid threw, like, 350 pitches over the last, like, nine days. Like Ridiculous. Look. Kevin Copps, Texas kid, down in the Berg in, in, in Sugarland area. I, I get it. Like, we're we're built different in Texas, baby. I understand it, but God, someone needs to step in for that kid. Like, I get it. I get it. It's it's you're trying to get to Omaha. You're you're doing everything you can. You're putting a 
a program, a state, a whole college on your right arm, man, someone's got to step in there. Like, and he's obviously he's, he's going to be a college hero at the end of the day. I don't think it's going to translate. His stuff is going to translate into the show. He'll probably get drafted in the first 10 rounds, but I just think he'll always be remembered for what he did at Arkansas. The the time he's probably going to win the golden spikes. Um, but man, like I felt for that kid and that tweet with him after the game, just chilling and, and signing autographs, like two hours, two and a half hours after, man, that's just, um, I'm, I'm not a huge Arkansas fan. I'm a Jalen battles fan, but man, I felt, I felt really bad for, for the cops. Yeah. And he's 23, 24 years old. He's a, he's a super duper senior, I believe. And this was his last go around. He, he may not make it past double A. He may make it to AAA. Maybe we're wrong and he makes it to the majors and we're talking about Kevin Copps doing this in the World Series in six years. I don't know. It's completely possible, but he laid it on the line for the Arkansas Razorbacks. He put the name on the front of his jersey ahead of everything else. And he, he laid his arm on the ground. That's all he did. He, he left every little ounce that he could on that field and it, it didn't work. And that's debilitating honestly it's heartbreaking and everything but arkansas they're gone nc state moves on to omaha which which it kind of hurts but it kind of doesn't because i'd rather not see arkansas and omaha but nc state acc team we talked about them all year we got two of them in omaha and it's kind of weird so i don't i don't know how i feel about it but nc state congratulations you had a hell of a weekend they went into the number one team in the country's place and took the series. That's a, hell, that's a hell of a baseball thing to do. And um, they're playing with house money right now. Yep. That's and the weird thing about it. We're going to move to Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee, Vanderbilt Commodores are playing the East Carolina Pirates. I took East Carolina on a whim, and I don't think I was wrong. No. I, th- I think I got hoed. I, I, East Carolina probably could have could have probably won any other Super Regional. And that's no disrespect. They could have beat our Longhorns. They, they could have beat our Bulldogs. They could have beat anyone in the country. That East Carolina team was fucking good. And got screwed. With the strike guy. zone. It, it was atrocious. Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, two of the best three or four pitchers in the game this year. No doubt about it. Sometimes they should get calls. I agree when it's very close. When you consistently grow the strike zone over the course of a game, the Pirates aren't going to know what to do. They're going to be like, well, if I swing at that, I strike out or I foul off another one, and then he's going to go right back to it, and I got to do it again. You're not going to be able to get a hit off of a lot of these balls, which that's baseball. I get it. But the the strike zone wasn't the same when East Carolina was pitching, and they pitched gyms. I think it was 2-1 to one on the first game and 4-1 to one on the second game, and it was so close. It it felt significantly closer than what it was. It was pitching duel after pitching duel and East Carolina got hooked. That's, I think that's the way it is. I think if the strike zone had been a little bit more clear for the pirates hitters and a little less murky for the pitchers, we'd have a game three and we don't know what happens because anything can happen in a game three of the super regional. Everyone knows that anything can happen in a game three and we didn't get that chance. And I think we got robbed. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you, the casual fan watching and the people tuning in, hopefully from our podcast or 11-7, Barcelona, whoever, tuning in for these games, um, when you see East Carolina, you don't think baseball. You don't really think a lot, right? You just, you, party. you just, oh, this team wearing purple, you know? And it, it was really cool to see this team play because they have bona fide studs and it was um, a hell of a series. And I think you touched on it. You can't give rocker and lighter an inch to an inch and a half off the plate on either side, because with their stuff already is plus plus, And obviously they're each respectfully a top five pick and you just couldn't do it. And East Carolina, it, it, who has a really good offense and we saw him start pushing them a bit, but you just can't, no one, no one in the country can, you can give this team that much um, wiggle room. And we saw it 
and and our guy Cliff Godwin, the head coach over at East Carolina, man, he he was you could see he was working through all the scenarios. He was he was working through it all, and he had he had Wizenhut that threw game two, and he gave him a really short lease, I thought, but. Gavin Williams pitched his freaking dick off against Kumar Rocker and went toe to toe with them. I mean, I would say the the uh, the performance by Gavin Williams against Vanderbilt's lineup compared to Rocker against East Carolina was Gavin's was way better. Stat lines nearly identical, but the way he navigated through that that lineup and and went toe to toe with arguably the best pitcher in the country um was amazing to see absolutely amazing to see and i think gav i hope gavin williams falls to the astros in the the 50 60 range on um in uh in this year's draft because the guy has the stuff and it was it was truly special to see that and, and there there was ties cliff godwin was you know worked at vanderbilt before worked with corbin uh he knew what was going on but east carolina never blinked and there's other teams that, like, tech, for instance, we're about to touch on the Texas Tech regional, super regional, but Texas Tech looked shocked and awed. East Carolina playing at Vandy against one of the, the, the top, top two arms never blinked, and they pushed them to the limit. And I literally think they could have beaten any team in the super regionals outside of, of Vanderbilt, and they just got a, a shit draw. And our guy, I don't know if you – have you seen Coach, Coach Godwin's uh, Twitter feed? I have not. Yeah, there's some some interesting retweets of of strikes for uh, Vandy and and strikes not for East Carolina. Um, East Carolina is so, going to be happy to pick up that fine tab. Yeah, I mean he's uh, it's it's pretty interesting up and down, and uh, there was some news that broke last night. I don't know if you saw it that uh, him and Bianca, the old Miss head coach, or him and Godwin and Bianca are the maybe the two candidates for that LSU job. So. Yeah. And I think East Carolina kind of got hoed again with their seeding. They got 13th. They had 44 wins. What, what are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. I think they should be an eight seed. I think they should have been the eight seed. Honestly, I think they should have been hosting. Shouldn't have been a question. They were one of the top 10 teams all year round. They had one rocky weekend later on. Mississippi State had a rocky weekend later on. They got a national seed. It's just they play their, their, their damn good baseball team, and they, they were very capable of going to Omaha and making a run to Omaha, but Vandy did what Vandy does, and that's win with the rocker and win with lighter. Um, if I was East Carolina, I would have probably started Gavin Williams game two to go against lighter just because it just seemed like a a, um, a waste of a performance like going against rocker, um, and you maybe had a better chance against lighter because lighter does a lot more pitches and doesn't go as far as rocker, but um, tip your cap to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is doing what they've done for this past decade. And that's a win. Went on the biggest stage. And now they're uh, they're set up to make another run. Back where they belong. I mean, we said it all year. If they don't make it to Omaha, something went terribly wrong. Here we are. Nothing went see, terribly wrong. Did you wrong. see the stats? The official stats for that for them this, this weekend? For Vanderbilt? Yeah. No, I have not. One earned run, five hits allowed, 23 strikeouts. Seems games. good. Seems all right. Pretty D's. <laughs> Moving on to Lubbock. Lubbock, Texas, where the Texas Red Raiders did not decide to show up, I guess. Tim Tadlock gets a lifetime contract, and they just decide to not hit the baseball as hard as they usually do. Stanford. Is, is Stanford the hottest team heading into Omaha? I think they are. I think they are. They hit a lot of home runs. They, they scored a shitload on Texas Tech in Lubbock. No less. Like Stanford probably hasn't played more than in front of more than 200 people this year, being from the Pac-12 in California and everything with COVID. Showing up to Texas Tech, where it's the wild, wild west, and we got Texas COVID laws are pretty loose, and there was fans in the building, and they they shut them up really quickly. It's it was honestly, I want to say is the most impressive um, outing from any of these eight teams that are going to Omaha. I'm the most impressed with Stanford by far. I think Stanford has mastered a um, <clears throat> technology that we don't know about from, you know, all these connections in the Silicon Valley world and, and everything. In Palo Alto, they have this, this machine that generates six foot six right-handed pitchers that have devastating 
fastballs and wipeout curveballs and sliders because on Friday, <clears throat> their ace, uh, I believe his name is Brandon Beck. Um, he literally pitched like it was an MLB The Show video game. It was, here's my fastball. Here's my curveball slider. Here's the changeup. Oh, I didn't strike yet on three pitches. All right, here's my fastball again at 96. And he probably threw, I kid you not, I was watching, I was watching the first six, seven innings. Um, he probably threw 90% strikes. It was ridiculous. High socks, high socks, tall, tall dude, has some little lettuce, some little flow going. It was just just piecing up the strike zone. He had no time to throw balls, no time to to dick around. He was just like, here's my stuff. Can you hit it? Nope, you can't. All right, my office is going to keep us in the ballgame. And uh, the offense at Stanford, the Cardinal, uh, decided to put a shellacking on the Texas Tech pitching. See you, Texas Tech. Goodbye. I was shocked. We'll catch you later. I was shocked. I think all three of us last week chose Texas Tech. Yeah, we all did, and we thought it was going to be pretty easy. I picked against Stanford because I saw them in 2019. Obviously, completely different team that showed up this year in Texas Tech, and Stanford's hot. Stanford is hot. You know what else is really hot? The Arizona desert in Tucson. And you know what happens there? Home runs. A lot of them. A lot of home runs. And this might have been my second favorite Super Regional. It was my second favorite one because no game was close. Every game, there was 10-plus runs for the winner and much less for the loser. And the, the best part. But the best part here, Des, is that the loser happened to be Ole Miss. Goodbye. You don't make it to Omaha. That is not your precedent. You do not get to go to Omaha because you think you're going to make it. You go to Omaha on hard work, and you get through regionals, and you get through super regionals. That is something that Ole Miss does not do and will continue to not do. Bianco's probably gone. Probably won't be back next year. How you feel about that, guys? Booger Nikhazy, gone. Broadway, gone. Everybody's gone. What are you going to do, Ole Miss? It's it's over. It's over. Mississippi State runs the state. That's that's all I have to say. Ole Miss, you're done. Arizona, also very hot. Pac-12 team. Did you think at the beginning of the season when we didn't have Pac-12 teams playing that there would be two Pac-12 teams in Omaha this year? Uh, no. I I did buy in into what Zona was doing. I, I picked them last week, right? Or did I talk myself into – doing the sec i believe thing. you took arizona and ashland yeah. took ole miss okay because this arizona team i i them and stanford if you put them together and you just didn't like took their uniforms and put them like a, a neutral whites and no no arizona or no cardinal um riding on the chest the teams look identical because they hit the hell out of the ball they pitched the ball well and they filled the ball well these teams I don't know what happened, and we talked about it. There's not a lot of eyes in the pack. Like, that's that's a pack problem. We wanted to see them. We wanted to see them play. We wanted to see Oregon Ducks play. But they just play, like, solid fundamental baseball, and they don't give up uh, a lot of opportunities for teams to get back into a game. They, they almost almost like, hey, come on, come in the deep end with us. Come in the deep end with us. And then you get in the deep end, and they, they drown you. They just get you into where they're comfortable, and they put you away. And um, the Slugfest match in, in, in the desert, uh, Uncle Dez made quite, uh, quite a bit of coin on those overs because I just knew the ball was going to fly out. And it, it flew, it flew uh, quite, quite a long ways in the desert. But um, they're playing good baseball. They're playing yeah, really this, good baseball. This is the Arizona team that we thought was going to happen during the preseason. They were ranked top 10 to start the season. I believe they were top five. And they lost a couple of their few first weekends. And we're like, hey, man, what's going on in the desert? That's, that's kind of weird. Arizona, good. Um, what happened? You're not in the top 25 anymore. What happened? And then they just – they were just consistent after middle of the season, just straight consistent, winning series after series after series after series, took the regular season Pac-12 title, moved on to the, through the regional, and they're here in the Super. They got a good team in Ole Miss. Ole Miss – all credit to Tim Elko. Tim Elko, story of the year. Yeah. Easily. By far, right? One, one ACL. He's on one leg, and he's hitting bomb after bomb after bomb after clutch, grand slam after clutch, grand slam. It was nuts. The beer showers are crazy. Tim Elko, one knee, 
with the C on his chest. It was awesome. So all credit to Tim Alka. I was, I just, this question just kind of popped in my head because we talked about, um, we talked about Florida, right? Preseason team that was supposed to do it and they just faded, they just crumbled all the way down to the very end. Couldn't even get out of their own regional two and barbecue. See you later. Cowards. (laughs) And now we talked about Arizona. Same kind of situation, dropped a few series early on, but righted the ship. And I don't want to make this an SEC thing, but the question that comes to my mind is, does Arizona do what they did this year to right the ship if they're in the SEC? Because I think if you would have flip-flopped Florida and Arizona, I think the outcomes would have been the same. Arizona would have crumbled towards the end and Florida would have, all right, right the ship and go. Because no disrespect to the Pac-12, there's a lot more free weekends um, for lesser words than there is in the SEC. And it's if if you make a wrong turn and, and you get down this this path and you're in this spider web you can't get out of with this losing, um, the SEC is relentless. And no, like no district back 12, there's some free weekends in there and allows you to write the ship and, and, and catch your breath a bit. Um, that question just kind of popped in my head um, of if, if that scenario, if Dan scenario, a little SET question, but um it's it's interesting it's interesting when a team is capable of catching their breath that has a lot of preseason hype and they stumble out of the gates um and they still end up in omaha like where where did that turn right compared to teams where it turned bad yeah and one thing we will mention about arizona is in the pac-12 there were a lot of free weekends for covid arizona didn't have any they were 43 and 15 heading into the supers so they played nearly every weekend, if not every single weekend, and they had midweeks. And yeah, I I think I agree. If you flip-flop their scenarios, Florida ends up where Arizona is, and Arizona ends up where Florida is, sitting on their butts at home and watching it from their TVs. And yeah, I don't hate that. Arizona, though, all credit to you. You came all the way back. You're back where you were supposed to be at the preseason, which preseason rankings don't matter. We get that, but it puts a precedent on that team to succeed. And Arizona didn't at the start halfway through the season. They were fine. They righted the ship and there was no looking back. They, they killed the pac 12 and yeah. So that that's one side of the bracket. So you got NC state, I believe they're going to play Stanford and Vanderbilt versus Arizona. That's going to be a fun matchup that we're going to preview later on during the week. We've already touched on Austin. We've already touched on Starkville. So we only have two supers left. Where do you want to go? You want to go Columbia or Knoxville? You know what? Let's go to let's go to Columbia first, and then we can end with uh, what happened out in Knoxville. All right. So Columbia Regional, which should have been the wherever Virginia is based out of Commonwealth, Virginia. Who knows where they're actually from? I just made up a name. Columbia. The Union the State, the Commonwealth of Virginia is like the official yeah, state. There name, you I go. Believe. That's where Virginia is from. The who, <laughs> the, the, the who, who was, they keep tweeting that out. And I don't they really do keep it. saying that there are mentions the, the, the who has and yeah, I don't, stuff. I don't get that. So if a Virginia fan wants to explain that in our RTO mentions, please do so. Cause me and Des are curious. Um, Virginia versus Dallas, Dallas Baptist, Dallas Baptist. The game should have been in Charlottesville. That's where, uh, uh never mind. we can keep it in Columbia. Yeah. That's fine. Completely agree with them. Keep it in Columbia. <laughs> um, Dallas Baptist versus Virginia. This was a series because Virginia, one of those top 25 preseason teams that had a little precedent and they weren't Virginia. They were a three seed, I believe, heading into the regional. They just weren't what we expected. The ACC wasn't what we expected this whole season. And Dallas Baptist, who always rakes and is always good and somehow never gets to make it to Omaha, continues that trend. Dallas Baptist goes down in three games off of a grand slam, which is coincidentally how they got into the super regional against TCU Dallas Baptist. They're going home. They were a fun team. Did you see the kid that caught the home run, the Dallas Baptist fan that was videoing and he just watches it into his glove and he just pops it up. And then they, it was awesome. So that I was saw really the, cool. I saw the snag. I didn't see the actual, did, did we have this, the video ever surface of like, yes. So from his angle NCAA okay. baseball, the actual Twitter account verified, whatever maybe five minutes after it started to go viral they're like and the clip you've all been waiting for so they hit the normal home run the broadcast version of it and then 
once it's in the air, it switches over to him, like videoing it and tracking the ball. It was cool. It was, it was a really cool video. It was one of my favorite moments from the super regional weekend and Dallas Baptist, they're going home. Unfortunately, Virginia is moving on with clutch hitting and Kenny powers and dip and dots. They're a fun team. They're, they're actually a really fun team. Yeah. They, um, so I picked DBU obviously, cause I, I picked them coming out of the TCU regional. Uh, so I went with the hot hand and, um, Virginia, I think from a, a 10,000 foot view, I think fans might have seen like, oh, Dallas Baptist, that's a pretty easy draw. Nah, this, this DBU team played very, very well. And that those games were tightly, tightly contested late into the innings. Um, and Virginia just did did what they did, and, and that's win close ball games. And they got clutch hits down the stretch. Um, I think one of the coolest moments of Supers was um, a DBU kid was up, hits a ball 405 feet and absolutely pimps it throws his bat yells at the dugout stands and, in the batter's uh, box stand yeah he just he stood took there the photo. um and the center fielder for virginia takes a magellan route lost goes up snags it and uh really took the win out of dbu sales because that homer would have tied the game um game three late in the seventh i believe was the ending when it happened so um, they just they just do things um, to win ball games, and here we are. Um, in in they were in South Carolina, which is just the whole situation was just weird to begin with. But, Confusing. Uh, they won, <clears throat> and it was it was just weird because it was a supers, but there wasn't a lot of fans there. It was just you know you didn't have you know a, a you weren't in Dallas, you weren't in Charlottesville, you didn't have all the all the teams, you know, with all their fans ready to go. And just was weird all the way around. So um I think that's more more shout outs to Virginia to to kind of work through that a bit because uh it's a totally different environment than what you expect for a super regional. Yeah, and I think Dallas Baptist kind of ran out of gas that when he pimped that thing, he got all of it. It yeah. just happened to be his his gas was gone. He ran out of gas. The rest of the team ran out of gas because they had three or four more warning track right on the wall pop-ups, essentially, is while they were. They were just deep flyouts. That's They ran out of gas. And Dallas Baptist, all credit to you. I hope to see you again here next year. Y'all are a fun team to watch. I'm excited. Virginia, welcome back. Here you are in Omaha again. ACC, two teams. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? Not us. Not us, not, not in the slightest. Not us. Um, I wouldn't say not our best moment, but still. I'm still riding it. I, I don't care for the ACC. <laughs> I'm anti-ACC anti until 2022, and then we can revisit the situation. 100%. We, we've we've uh, made our bed, for sure. We've dug our grave, and we're, we're hopping right in when we get to Omaha. <laughs> but, um, moving on to the last Super Regional. We've covered them all, except for this one. This one was not very fun, I think. It was just average. It was like, uh, yeah, the better team won. Congrats. Like, good times. It was an SEC versus SEC matchup, which usually turns into chaos and walk-offs and chaotic, rushing the field, everything that you would expect with an SEC versus SEC super regional matchup. And LSU versus Tennessee, the number three overall seed. Tennessee, you're moving on. You're on to Omaha for the first time since, I believe, 2007. Congrats. You've hit the ball hard. You've hit the ball far. You scored a lot of runs, and you've had a lot of bat flips. Retire pulmonary. That's what you did. Who, who backtracked on all his words? Absolutely backtracked on all his comments from earlier in the season. Like, stand for something i would have doubled down i would have tripled down on on what i said um but no he did it he he um he said that his comments were um spoken without context of his knowledge or something along the lines of that and um uh, he uh he definitely probably added some fire to uh to those fans in knoxville i mean dude Maneri. Just take a look around your ballpark. 
take a look at your fans. Don't put your headphones in. Listen to what they say to their opposing batters and then go to Tennessee and tell me it's worse because you can't. You can't. You literally cannot tell me that it is worse environment than the box in Baton Rouge at LSU. Tennessee fans, they're mean. They're ugly. They wear the wrong color orange. I, that's, that's kind of all it is. Because Tennessee is not a powerhouse. They're not a blue blood like LSU. Expect better. Be better. Stop saying things that don't matter. I'm, I'm kind of glad he's gone, honestly. He's a legend. He's been there for 30. I guess he's been there for 20 years or something like 15 maybe at LSU. He's been in the business for 30-something years. Great coach. He's got a national championship. Quit being a little whiny bitch, all right? Go home, sit on your couch, and watch Tennessee hit more home runs than Omaha. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be really interesting who takes that job because – the team is young. It's loaded with some talent. It's loaded with some bats. They need to get some pitching. Some that won't be difficult to get. LSU is a, is a great draw to get um, recruits to come to. Um, it is a blue blood. It, the box is wild when there's, there's screaming fans in there, which it will be next year. But it, it's what, which way do you want which, which way do you go? And the, the situation that comes to my mind is uh, a crossroads when Texas got coach pierce obviously has played out well uh but then you kind of look at like rice right rice had wayne graham who who was 99 years old playing and should have retired 15 years ago but it was still coaching and they went with uh at that time uh east tennessee i believe was where their coach came from who had just made a deep run um you know was the the cool flavor to have and then it didn't pan out because he didn't know the recruiting world he didn't have any connections in the state of texas and we see where rice is now and so uh, it's it's like almost a crossroads for lsu for lesser of better terms i, I think lsu's capable with standing just with name and brand and all of that and the and Baton rouge and 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 the purple and gold and the tigers, I think that could stand the test of time. But I think you got to really drill this this head coaching job. Yeah, I think they they should go Bianco. They go Mike Bianco from Ole Miss. He's an LSU grad. He graduated from there. He played baseball there. His son plays baseball there. It just makes sense. I, yeah. I think that makes sense. He's an SEC coach. He knows the ins and out of SEC baseball. He's had a successful program. Granted, they don't go to Omaha, whatever. It's fine. I think you you bring home the hometown guy and you you ride that out because he's a great coach. I mean, you got a coach O'Sullivan from Florida. He's on maybe on the market. I think he officially said he he took his name out. Okay, he told well, he informed Florida that he was he was staying. Add another five ten million dollars on the tab. He sure. might change his mind. Um, LSU has the thought. money to do that, but I think, I think that's where they should go. That's I think my opinion. The uh, the big thing is shifting back to the, the supers that is the home run ball translatable you could say for every team across across the country because um now you're at td ameritrade we don't know how the ball's gonna fly out there but if we have the juice balls or not ncaa could swing back and bring back the dead ball and and uh confuse us all but knoxville played really small in the regionals and supers um Tennessee relied on that home run, carried them through both, and who cares? You know, you, you punch your ticket. Uh, but is that translatable in Omaha? That's one of the big questions I have. Um, what's going to happen for a lot of these teams that relied on the home run ball um, if the ball's not flying like it was during regionals and supers? Yeah, and I think that's what sets our two teams up for success in Omaha is because we don't rely on the home run. We rely on getting the next man in the batter's box. That's all it is. Get on base, get the next guy up, see what happens from there. You can single, you could double, you could triple, you could hit a home run, you could get a walk, you can get an error. All these things can happen. And Tennessee hasn't proved that they're that kind of team. They hit the home run. They hit the shit out of the ball. All power to them. I'm pretty sure the wind blows in in Omaha, which is the weirdest design. I don't know why they did it that way. Home runs are sexy. Omaha they didn't want that for some reason, but whatever. Tennessee, I don't think they have that kind of power. Now, if they had a bunch of Nico Greek freaks from Notre Dame, just had nine of those suckers, 
that dude hit the ball 500 feet in Starkville, wind blowing in. He could he could hit the ball out of that ballpark easy. I just don't know how many times they're going to do that in Omaha in the in the orange and the gray and with Smokey running around. I don't I don't know. They're all power to them. They got really hot at the beginning of the season and they stayed hot. They were number three overall in the national seed. They deserve to be here. LSU, you're at a crossroads where you have potentially the best college baseball player next year, Dylan Cruz. That dude is going to be incredible. You got to think that he's going to be um, the lead candidate to win the Golden Spikes, like preseason. Yeah, and Alex Bregman's already given him the whole one-one in two years. He's going to go one-one in the MLB draft in two years. Yeah, that the dude's a stud. He hit two home runs in the same game against Tennessee, I believe, in Game Two. Kept him in it for a little bit, but. Tennessee, they were just a better team overall. LSU had some injuries. They had a whiny coach. That's the, the magic ran out. It wasn't meant to be LSU this year. We'll see you back here next year. You're going to be in the Supers. I have no doubt about it. Um, but Tennessee, Mississippi State, Virginia, Texas, Arizona, Stanford, Vanderbilt, and NC State. That's your final eight. We're heading to Omaha. We made it. Well, one of us are. Well, both of our teams are gone. Both of our teams are. So that's that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I think um, when we started this, um, you know, months ago, that <laughs> ideally we would want both our teams there. We'd be happy for one, um, just for the content side of things. But both of our teams playing in Omaha, our first year of our podcast, listen, we're barely, what, six months old, if that. So, even. like, it's – it's awesome. Like it's, it's the Apollo verse, baby. It just works. It, it's crazy how things shook out. And it's crazy that Texas and Mississippi state are matching up in the first game. I would have even loved it even more if we were on opposite sides of the bracket. I was about and to, then, and then if we just sides. head to head, the final three games, oh, just, that would have been we, incredible. That, so we oh, missed oh. it by that much. And that's the other Apollo touch is that we, we had it. <sighs> and then we just turned it just to the left a little bit, but yeah, here we are. We're playing against each other. That's that's all we could have asked. Yeah, we can't be beggars in this situation, can't right? Get greedy. Like, yeah, I mean that's for next year. Yeah, next year, Texas Mississippi State, book it national national championship series. It's gonna be great. Ugh. Omaha, Omaha, we've made it. Peyton Manning is in the room. We're gonna scream Omaha. We're gonna audible. I'll be there Sunday in the building. I'll be doing some live tweets just like Des was this past weekend at the Dish. The yeah, road don't to get Omaha. thrown out. Don't get thrown out. Yeah, I'm gonna try not to. That's Brandon. Brandon Walker's also gonna be there, Mississippi State nice. legend that works at Barstool. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So ben, he, Ben's gonna be there gonna too, be there. right? Yeah, Ben Upton from 11.7 will be in the building. I think he flies back Sunday though, so I don't know if he's staying okay. for our game. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. if I can uh, find old Ben Upton. Get a get some contacts going. See if I can find my my dad, Brandon Walker, Mississippi State legend. It's Did you fun. ever get any uh, one-on-one time with him in, in your Barcelona days? Yeah, so I met him uh, coincidentally three weeks before COVID hit in New York City at headquarters. Um, okay. He, he knows my, I guess, my second cousins, my mom's cousins, basically. Okay. He went to high school with them. He knows my family. It was, it's a small world. He, he grew up in West Point, same uh, area that my mom grew up in. He went to Mississippi State, obviously, my mom and I, and now my sister go to Mississippi State. So it's a small world, yeah. Brandon Walker, yeah. he's he's a we'll get him on the pod. He's a quite the character on Twitter. He's yeah. he's a fun time. I enjoy it because he's a Mississippi State fan, but he's more on the crazy side than on the the more level side that I believe I'm on, and even I'm a little crazy. So Mississippi State fans, we're the best, we're the worst. You can't you can't hate us, but you can love us. I don't know. Look, I, this starts. It's it is June fifteenth. I'm officially starting. Mississippi State hate week. I'm in every cowbell I see. I don't see many. Believe it or not, I guess Mississippi, the state of Mississippi just has all the cowbells. Yes. You just acquired them all. Correct. But anytime I see one, I'm just going to, even if it's on a cow, I'll hop the, I'll pull my truck over, hop the fence. It's a real Texas thing. I'm going to yank that freaking cowbell and toss it as far as I can. It's, it's officially, Stoney, you're on the hot seat. Mississippi State hate week begins right now. 
I was actually going to take the high road this week, but I'm I'm more than willing to throw some horns down over the week. It's going to be oh, great. Uh, I'm taking the burnt orange out, <laughs> out of my uh, my closet and taking that hat. I'm going to sit it outside. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't need it. I'm just going to leave it outside next to the trash can. Maybe I'll pick it up next week. I don't know. Um, I was going to take the high road, but now since you've started official hate week, Texas is officially hate. back. Texas is so back. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Omaha, but Omaha, we've it's made Omaha, it, dude. It's, it's fucking Omaha. Omaha. We're here. We made it. The road made has it. officially ended, and we're in there. We made it to our destination. We can't wait for the Omaha festivities to begin, opening ceremonies, the first games. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be back later this week, previewing each matchup and each side of the bracket, who we think is going to make it to the national championship. Maybe we'll pick a winner. I don't know. We'll see. This has been the Road to Omaha podcast presented by Apollo Media. Follow us on Twitter at Road to Omaha Pod. Follow Apollo at Apollo H-O-U. I'm Stoney. That's Dez. Texas is back. Love you guys.